Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Luke in the second chapter, the 41st to the 52nd verse. Hear the word of the Lord. Now every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents didn't know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, Why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the word just read point to the word to come. And may it all work together to serve your glory and your purpose in the world. Amen. The poet Rumi wrote, what you seek is seeking you. In her autobiography, Kisses from Katie, Katie Davis seeks God and ends up finding a different life than the one she scripted for herself. You see, Katie graduates with everything the world says is important. She was class president, she was homecoming queen, top of her class, she dated cute boys and wore cute shoes and drove a cute car. She had plans to go to college and to study nursing. But Katie loves Jesus. Katie loves Jesus so much that she has made him her northern star, the light by which she has moved through life. And so it is that instead of going to college and becoming a nurse and marrying the boy that she was dating in high school, Katie doesn't follow the path she and her parents carefully crafted. Instead, Katie lives in Uganda. She is the adoptive mother of 15 Ugandan girls, and she runs a Christian school for hundreds of children. She writes, I have no desire to write a book about myself. This is a book about Christ. I'm writing on the chance that a glimpse into the life of my family and me, full of my stupidity and God's grace, will remind you of the living, loving Christ and what it means to serve him. And if he can use me, he can use you. Katie seeks God above all else. She seeks God despite the disruption it has caused in her life. She says, Jesus wrecked my life. But from the wreckage of her best laid plans, Jesus built her a life she couldn't have imagined, a life full of joy. Katie seeks God and she finds a God who seeks her, who is using her. In her seeking, she is found. 
for Katie, Jesus is her northern star. Because just as the wise men found their way by star to the stable, a northern star can show us the way, light our path, guide our feet. Now, making God your northern star can, as we've heard, be known to upset a life once guided by the values and priorities offered by our family or our ego or our culture. It's not always as dramatic as moving to Uganda, of course, but orienting our lives around Jesus almost always means pursuing a different way than what the world would suggest. The scripture reading today is a story about seeking God despite the cost. It's a story about making God's will the guiding star for our lives. So it's the day after Passover, and Jewish pilgrims have left Jerusalem in droves. Not too dissimilar, it's not lost on me, to the church the day after Christmas. <laughs> Yesterday, the streets were crammed with people and the sounds of laughter and haggling, and now they're empty, littered with wrapping paper and tinsel. <laughs> Yesterday, the temple smelled of incense and candle wax and crowds of people, and today it just smells like old books and dust. And it's quiet, quiet except for one chamber in the massive stone building where a group of rabbis have gathered to discuss a difficult passage from the Torah. These men are here every day, every single day, not just the high holy days. They open the book and the book tells the story of their origin. The book tells them who they are and what God wants for their lives. And so they open the book and they read and they ask questions and they debate and among the voices is the voice of a boy. And the boy is unknown to the old sages and priests, but they're amazed and astonished by his questions. While the pilgrims have left Jerusalem seeking comfortable rhythms and waiting responsibilities of home, the boy has stayed. And it would seem he's without his parents. He stayed behind seeking something. Anyone can tell there's something special about him, something remarkable. There's a whisper of his identity in each of his questions, in his listening gaze. And meanwhile, a full day away on the dusty trail home, his mother and father realize their son is missing. They panic, understandably. They rush back, but it'll take another full day to get back. It's a heartbreaking scene, and there's a visceral reaction, I think, this, to this passage from Luke's gospel. For any of us who've ever lost sight of a child in a crowd or unintentionally left someone behind, that feeling in your gut that your life somehow hangs on this moment, that you've lost something precious and that life will never be the same. So we sympathize with Mary and Joseph. We can feel their fear and their anxiety. And when Jesus says, why were you seeking me? It's hard not just to hear the thoughtless disregard of his parents by a teenage boy. But of course, there's more going on here. And what Jesus knows, what Mary and Joseph don't realize, is they're seeking something that isn't really lost, that can't be lost. Jesus is already home. 
Because the temple is important in the life of Jesus. It's at the very beginning of Luke's gospel, and it's at the very end. Here in this temple, in the first days of his life, his parents present him to the Lord. Here in the very temple, Simon says that their child, their infant, their baby is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel to be a sign that will be opposed, revealing the inner thoughts of many. Jesus, of course, has no memory of this prophecy, but he knows that what he seeks can only be found in the temple. He calls it his father's house. That's capital F, Father. In his father's house, he'll find the answers he seeks. He seeks in God's temple even though it worries his parents. Even though it's disruptive, he has to be there. What you seek is seeking you. Jesus must seek God, and he knows that he must seek God in the temple and in the Torah and in conversation with others. I wonder what answers Jesus would have been seeking that day. Perhaps, what does God want from me? What is the heart of God's law? What is the northern star I should look to to find my way? Jesus seeks God, and in seeking, Jesus is found. What he seeks is seeking him. Ultimately, we face answering these same questions. What does God want from me? What star, what light should guide my feet? And either we answer these questions or the world will be happy to supply answers for us. Culture would have us organize our lives around accomplishment, accumulation, acknowledgement, pleasure, pride. And we're happy sometimes to have answers supplied by others because so often we want to make ourselves small, assuming we don't need to ask what God wants for us. Who am I anyway, we wonder. What difference does it make? Or we just get too busy to even ponder what's informing our decisions, how we're navigating our lives. Who has time for such wonderings, such seeking? Maybe Oprah does, but most of us, we just feel it's hard to find the time to really seek. So often we feel pulled in a hundred different directions, not enough time in the day. And in the place of God's call, school and work and Netflix and the needs of others can eat up our lives. In the film Parenthood, Steve Martin's character learns he and his wife are unexpectedly having another baby. And he learns this on the same day that he's lost his job. And he's late for a Little League game, and he's rushing out the door, and his wife says to him, do you have to go? And he says to her, my whole life is have to. There's no seeking, no discernment, only the grind of a life lived according to have to. It makes me think of another story, this one about a train station where people go on their way to heaven. And once they arrive, they have the opportunity to select one memory to take with them to heaven. And they're provided video footage of their lives to review in case they've forgotten a thing or two, as happens. And one woman, one woman selects her first dance with her husband. And another little girl, she first says Disneyland, but then she changes her mind and selects a memory of her mother brushing her hair. And one man, one man scrolls through hour after hour after hour of footage and in the end finds nothing worth remembering. His life had no northern star, at least not one he intentionally chose to follow. What did he seek? Did he seek anything at all? 
Or did he just passively navigate his, he his days, working hard, head down? Not a moment given to the question, am I made for something more? What is it that is seeking me? But Jesus, Jesus lived in a different way. He doesn't stay behind in the temple to hurt or to disobey Mary and Joseph. He's a good, obedient boy. We hear later he's obedient to them. He stays behind seeking a northern star, one he can only find among the teachers, one he can only find in the Torah. Here he seeks and here he is found. Here he comes to know his father's will. When Mary and Joseph find him there in the temple, we read they are astonished. Perhaps they're astonished by where they find him, that their good, obedient son is willing to disrupt their lives to be there. Jesus asks them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And Mary and Joseph do not understand what he says, that Jesus will spend his life in service to God's will, to God's purpose. So they return to Nazareth, and Jesus is baptized, and he's tempted, and he heals, and he feeds, and he teaches. And through it all, he's guided by the same star, by the same light. Later in Luke's gospel, we hear Jesus define the light he has and will orient his life on earth around. When he and the disciples return to Jerusalem and a lawyer asks Jesus, what do I have to do to have eternal life? Jesus answers, what does the law say? What do you read? You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. This is it. This is the guiding light of Jesus' life, his ministry. This defines his identity. It shapes his behavior. It directs his earthly life. It informs his self-chosen return to the temple where he says to the chief priests and scribes, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the power of God forever. And in saying this, he affirms his surrender to death on the cross for us. He will pursue God he will seek God at all costs. He endures pain and suffering and death in an expression of obedient love to God and out of his great love for the world, out of his great love for you and for me. This guiding love informs his death and his resurrection. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus perfectly embodies this law. It is his northern star. So it is that we must each seek a guiding star to make our lives more than have to. To live lives rich and full of memories and moments worth remembering. So our lives can give glory to God. I wonder, is the northern star always to seek God and to seek God in one another? Is it always to love God? and love neighbor. A life guided by such love can look a hundred different ways, a thousand different ways, of course, and thank goodness we're not all called to move to Uganda. Yes, following this God star can bear fruit in ways as broad and as beautiful as God's imagination. And we seek knowing that God is seeking us, that God can use even us, like God is using Eleanor, who in her 80s, 
while facing a grim diagnosis, finds her life turned upside down when she seeks Christ, makes Christ her guiding star, and enrolls as a seminary student. She's one of Genevieve's and my colleagues in our cohort. There she learns and preaches and teaches and cares for others. With grace and with humor, she dismisses those who would say that her choice doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense because her choice is not based on the false lights offered by the world. Her identity, her behavior, her choices, they're all directed by the light of the same star. She is seeking God and seeking God in others. And she pours love and laughter and wisdom into the lives of everyone she meets. And her life shines with the light of Christ. On this Sunday after Christmas, the crowds have left the sanctuary. And the flowers are fading a little, not too much. The candles are blown out, and the Advent wreath is packed away until next year. It's quiet, and we can breathe. And we read scripture, and we ask questions, and we listen. Can we discern a guiding light, something to guide our sense of behavior, our identity, our choices, a northern star to show us the way? What you seek is seeking you. So we seek God. And God seeks us. And when we're seeking God, we are never lost. We are found.